word to our heart. May we be humbled before you and uh, that we might uh, see where we need to repent and where we need to uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turning, if you will, to the book of Romans as we are plowing our way through this wonderful book. Uh, it's a, uh, a powerful, powerful uh, book, and particularly on the uh, uh, theology of, of, uh, of the Christian faith. And, and Paul is, is really uh, hammering home these truths as, as we have been looking at God's amazing grace, His amazing grace. Matter of fact, God's grace is so great that it's greater than all of our sin. And it's, uh, it's, it's so free, it's so wonderful, it's just, uh, it just abounds uh, more and more. Uh, uh, some people, as we've come to chapter 6 of Romans, Paul realizes that uh, you can uh, take it and understand it to the point, and it's true, that it's so free, it's so wonderful, that it's so amazing that he says here in verse 1 of chap chapter 6, after, after all that he's been saying, uh, that shall we say then, are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? He says, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin live in it? And we started that last week, and I just took the first two verses, although I had planned to go through all six verses, but we would have been here uh, much longer. And so I didn't want to uh, uh, hurry through this. But I, I said at the end of the message last week, what is our attitude towards sin as real believers? Is our attitude that, hey, I can just, Go out and live it up. I'm saved by grace. Uh, obeying God, uh, His commandments, uh, uh, all that He tells me to do. Well, it's just not important because I, I can just continue in, in sin uh, just to show how gracious God is. Uh, no. He says, God forbid. How shall we who have died to sin, and we saw that, that uh, uh, we're dead to sin, to the rule and reign of sin, and we, we, our attitude, because he changes our want to, is no, to no longer serve sin. It will not be. Not, that, not at times that sin cannot just, uh, we, we do not yield to it. Uh, at times it seems to rule over us. At times it's a, it's a great struggle and a battle. It is in my life. And there are every area that people struggle with in their life. And, and, but... There's going to be that struggle, is what I'm saying. You just can't continue the old life as it as it was, uh, and uh, and and call yourself a Christian. There will be there will be a change in your life, and we don't continue in it. And so he is really con uh, contrasting here what real salvation is uh, with what some people would call Christianity, Christianity, which is in name only. You know, you can call yourself uh, a Christian, but if there is no evidence there at all, then uh, uh, is it real? Is it, is it uh, uh, the Christianity that Paul is talking about 
where we have died to the rule and reign of sin. And, uh, and we look in 1 John 3, 9, uh, that uh, you will not uh, practice sin any longer. And uh, uh, that we now, because we are Christians, can uh, resist Satan. And we need to see that and understand that. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so now we have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer in Adam, uh, bound by sin, slave to sin. But now we have been uh, freed. We've been born again by his spirit. His spirit is within us. And now we have the power to resist uh, Satan. And uh, uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful truth uh, uh, in God's Word. We do not have to yield to temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation, will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. And so we don't have an excuse to sin. When we're tempted to sin, uh, to yield to it and say, well, grace covers that, that's a terrible attitude, a terrible attitude to have. Well, God doesn't care. You know, it's, it's for, uh, uh, I don't care because it's forgiven anyway, and so be it. And Whoa, is that really what the Scriptures teach? Absolutely not, because uh, uh, we're a new uh, uh, creation. In, in Christ, we uh, no longer serve sin. God has delivered us from the dominion, the power of darkness. Uh, Satan is no longer our father. And we see that in John 8, 44, when Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil. Satan, when we were in Adam, was our father. But now we're in Christ. Uh, God the Father is our father. Now and so, uh, that's that's a, a, a teaching of, of scripture. Uh, we're not under the, uh, the dominion of sin, for he rescued. It says, "See, we've been rescued from from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son." We used to be over here. Now we're over here. We've been delivered. We've been rescued from that, and we don't live in it any longer. And uh, so that's a, that's a clear teaching, I believe. Uh, also, 1 Peter 3 through 5, and I didn't give this one last week, but blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven uh, for you, who, notice we are protected by the power of God, and again, through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, and so, uh, over here in Adam, there was no power. We didn't have, we didn't have God in our lives. We didn't have, we didn't have the Holy Spirit in life. But now, we are in Christ, and we're kept, not only does that power save us, it keeps us. It keeps us in Him. We're kept by the power of God. And so 
What I want to really stress this morning, and I'll say it now so I won't forget it, I really want you to understand and for me to understand more and more and more and more, and I can't stress it enough, that we are secure in Christ. Our identity is Christ, and we've got to believe that. We've got to just realize that we are no longer anymore in Adam. And I know you say, boy, here he goes again. Here he go. But Paul keeps, here he go again. So you see what I'm saying? It's important to Paul. It's important to me. And matter of fact, here in this passage, he says, knowing this, knowing this, knowing this. He wants you to know that. He wants you to be uh, uh, clear about this because it's that important. So let's go on to Paul's explanation in verses 3 uh, through uh, 5 here when he says, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into uh, Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too also might walk in newness of life. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly, if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly, see, we have also or shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So we'll explain, I think, what this is talking about. Uh, And there are different opinions concerning this. Uh, There's one thing about theology. It's not, uh, uh, there are different opinions, (laughs) okay? It's not... uh, a science in a sense of uh, this is how you cut somebody open, this is how you operate on their heart and so forth. You have different opinions about what Paul is saying here. But I'm going to give you what I think is the best explanation here. Others have different ones, that's okay. And if you hold to something different, uh, uh, if, if uh, that's what God is teaching you, and again, don't hold to this because I'm teaching it. Hold to it because uh, you believe that's what the Word of God is teaching, okay? And I said that last week. Uh, it's, it's important for us to have this personally. This is a personal salvation, okay, that we must understand individually. And so some people teach here that Paul is talking about water baptism uh, or baptismal regeneration by being baptized by water. I don't think he's thinking about that whatsoever. I don't believe that is what this is teaching. Uh, There's some that would hold to baptismal uh, regeneration. The Church of Christ believe that. When you're uh, baptized with water, it's when you're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. I don't think that is uh, uh, correct theology. And uh, uh, when a a person is... uh, uh, Regenerated, it is when he trusts Christ. He's regenerated uh, to believe. Uh, regeneration actually precedes. Uh, he's regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And that's through, through faith as we study over and over again. Uh, but I don't believe he's talking about water baptism. Uh, now, why can't it not be water baptism in this passage? Now, it sounds like it is. If you just read through here, it sounds like, oh, he's talking about water baptism. But let's, let's look at what I think the scriptures teach. Uh, now, the way we get into Christ, though, is by baptism. Okay? It says here that we get into Christ by 
baptism in verses 3 and 4. Uh, do you not know, and he says you're to know this, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. So there is a baptism into Christ. But what bat- baptism is he talking about? Uh, and I think he's talking about our union with Christ. Our union with Christ. A person is taken, and this is the context that we've been studying, a person is taken out of Adam and he is placed into the Lord Jesus Christ. He is now safe and secure in his union with Christ. Uh, and that's a, that's a marvelous, marvelous truth and, uh, uh, that we want to uh, uh, study here. Uh, now, and who does that? The Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? By one Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, we were all baptized into one body. Now see, he says it again. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. Whether Jews, Greek, whether slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one Spirit. And there are other verses as well, but we won't take time uh, to go through, through all of those. Uh, uh, but anyway, Paul's concern, I believe here, is that you have been baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. And uh, by the way, this is not something that you do as a believer or opposed to baptism, which is something you do. Uh, no, this, this happens to you. Amen. See, there's a difference in what you do you can't work your way to heaven. You can't do something. You can't, you can't partake of the Lord's Supper and uh, go to heaven. It doesn't save you. There's nothing that you do that saves you. It's what Christ has done in you by his mighty power. Uh, it's what's happened in me and to me and for me. But it's all about him, as I keep saying. It's all about Christ. And that's what we've got to really uh, keep preaching to ourselves. Now, uh, if, uh, if water baptism was so important, and, and water baptism here is what he's talking about, which I think clearly is not, then why did Paul say what he said here in 1 Corinthians 1, 13 through 17? Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And of course not. I thank God that I baptized none of you. Now, wait a minute. Uh, boy, if, bap- if water baptism was so important, and that's how you got the Spirit, why would Paul ever say, I, you know, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one would say we were baptized in my name. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any of them. For Christ did not send me to baptize. You see, if this was water baptism here, he wouldn't say that. You understand what I'm saying? But what did he send him to do? To preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. And so again, uh, uh, there's no prominence that Paul puts, however you look at all of that, there's no prominence that he puts on water baptism. You don't, you're not water baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 that is received by faith, and you're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. 
you're baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. I think that's a clear teaching. Uh, and then he says, you know, in verse 3, he says, don't you realize this? Don't you know? It's vitally important. It's, it's kind of like a neon sign flashing here. Uh, it's, it's, it's that way in the Greek. It's, it's, you know, it's really pronounced here. Uh, every Christian has been baptized into the body of Christ. Uh, uh, that's not what... Uh, Romans 8, 9. Just turn over to Romans 8, 9. Because I usually, or did I put that one on the, I can't remember if I put that one. Let's see. Yeah, I did. I put that one in. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So you have to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. You can be baptized by water all day long. But if you've not been baptized by the Holy Spirit, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you're none of his. Amen. And this is what Paul teaches uh, very, very clearly. And it's a shame today that people don't, don't see that. And uh, we see in Christ, we are complete in him. Amen. Okay, we are complete. He's finished the work. Uh, it, it's so strong and I've... Uh, Hebrews 10, 14, for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. He has perfected, uh, they're, complete, they're complete for all time. Uh, and as the NIV puts it, how does it say? Uh, you've been made perfect forever. Amen. You've been made perfect forever. You see, there's security in knowing that you are complete and it's forever. You can't lose it. Why? Because God has done it. You didn't do it. You didn't do it by being baptized or, or uh, 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 your decision. No, God has done this. He's done it in you. And now you're complete. You're perfected for all times. And he's driving this. And you're saying, you've told us this. You've told us this. I'm going to tell you again. And in, in him you have been made, here it is, complete. Complete. And he is the head over. You've been made what? See, I'm not making this up. Sometimes you think of it. That's what the scriptures teach. You're incomplete. Whoa. You mean complete? Yeah. You mean I'm perfect? Yeah. Totally. Altogether. But it's not me. It's Christ in me. See, it's Christ in me. It's, it's yeah. And it's his spirit. It's his power, it's his working, but it's Christ, and it's, it's all by grace through faith. Amen. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about grace through faith here. Whoa, this is good stuff. Now, what are we in union with Christ in? I know you're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition, but uh, <laughs> I just did it. Uh, what are we in union with Christ in? Okay, he says here, we're baptized, in verse 3, we're baptized into his death, he says. And so we have to remember, when Adam sinned, you sinned uh, with him. What happened uh, when Christ died? You died with him. You were crucified with him. This has already happened. Again, we see here, this is an aorist tense. This is something that has already happened to you. Uh, uh, you have been uh, uh, crucified 
with him. You've been baptized into his death is what he's, he's teaching here. And uh, boy, this is, this is good stuff. Uh, but uh, uh, so now uh, 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 you're in him because you died with him. And that's, that's uh, uh, in other words, I am in Christ. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. I can't be changed. You know, and Paul said in Galatians, I have been crucified. I, in other words, again, and we went through the book of Galatians. I keep pointing this out. To, I'm crucified with Christ. In other words, I'm dead. I've died with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the, excuse me, hit the wrong but I live by uh, uh, <laughs> Thank you. See, uh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen. It's all about him. It's all about him. It says it over. Paul says it over and over. Not only that, but it's, it's, it's burial, burial as well. Notice in verse 4 he says, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. And, of course, burial is the proof of death. You don't bury somebody until they're dead, right? Now, maybe occasionally somebody gets, ooh, I couldn't think of that, but they get buried when they're still alive. But the, <laughs> the truth, though, is, no, you, you don't get buried until you're dead. Uh, and so a person who is dead and buried is finished with life as we know it on this earth. Okay, so we were buried with him. We, fin we are finished with the rule and reign of Sin in our lives is what he keeps talking about. He's, he's just illustrating, talking about He's coming at it, as David said, from every different direction, trying to get you to, boom, you know, kind of uh, get the sense of it. And he does a good job of it. But we're finished with that, uh, that old life. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, when Christ was buried, we were buried with him. And we died to the ruling reign. Not only that, in verse 4, but in his resurrection as well. He says, uh, <clears throat> through the glory of the Father, so that we might walk in uh, newness of life. And, uh, no, I'm sorry, the first part of verse 4, I was thinking, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might walk in newness of life. And then verse 5, we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also in the likeness of his resurrection. It's interesting here he says the glory, he says the glory of uh, uh, the Father, the glory of the Father. It, it, it almost like it's out of place uh, when you read something like this. But I think what he's talking about here. The, the Father was glorified. His glory was manifested when Christ was raised from the dead. It's kind of like Paul is just, oh, he's just so taken up with it. He, he just kind of throws it in there. But it's, it's, it's important for us to see that as well. And when Christ was resurrected, uh, what did that prove when he was resurrected? Well, it proves, for one thing, his deity. Is, because he said, destroy this temple. And he said he meant... And he meant his body, destroy this temple, my body, and I will raise it up. 
and what he's saying is, I am God. I'm going to raise it up because I am the great I am. But uh, what it also proves is he got victory over the rule and reign uh, of of sin and death because he was resurrected. And uh, we're resurrected, are we not? We're generated, we're resurrected. And one day, we look forward when we will be, our bodies will be glorified, you see. And so there's, there's a newness of life Paul's talking about here. It's, it's really, it's really uh, uh, good stuff. He, he got victory over the rule and reign of death. 1 Corinthians 15. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by one man, since by a man came, who is that? Thank you. Boy, I tell you, y'all are good. Y'all are getting it. <laughs> By a man came the resurrection of the dead. Who is that man? Okay, so we have here in Adam, so he was death. Now in Christ comes the resurrection of the dead. For as in, Ad- For as in Adam, all, all die. Also in Christ will all be made alive. Well, that's good stuff, isn't it? I mean, woo, just makes you want to shout and jump around. Might do that. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 57, he says, O death, where's your victory? Amen. You see, it's gone. That There's no victory in death anymore for the believer. O death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. See, the law only... It gives, it gives sin power because it just shows you how rotten and wicked you are. But he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through all of our hard work and being baptized and living the... Does it say that? No. Yeah. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We have victory in Christ. Amen. And by the way, now, it's not future, we have victory in Christ now You've got to understand that. You're victorious now. And that would just bring us to tears with joy because I'm I'm seated in heaven now. I have an inheritance now. It's not if I keep performing and doing good and living up and pulling myself up by my bootstraps and performance-driven, guilt-driven, no. I'm there now. See, it's so, it's so great to be uh, out of Adam now into Christ. That's why Paul says, do we continue to sin then? It's just to show how gracious really God is. No, you're not going to have that attitude because of what Christ is. And you've got a changed heart. Amen. Amen. Wow. Whoa. Good stuff. So the grave couldn't hold him. He was, he was uh, buried in that he rose by the glory of the God the Father and his power. And he passed out of the realm of sin and death. And uh, sin and death could no, no longer touch him and it can no longer touch us as well because of his resurrection. He went through all of that for us. He went through all of that for us. Sin and death has no more contact with Christ. You realize that? He's, he's, not, he's not tempted anymore. It has, no, it has no bearing on him anymore. He's, 
He's in heaven, seated at the right hand. But you know what? In a sense, it has no contact with us either, sin and death. Because why? We're seated with him. We're in, we're in heaven with him right now. Amen. Not, in the, not in the time sense, but we are in reality. This is what Paul keeps driving home. And that ought to just thrill us to death, make us uh, uh, want to live for him and serve him because of all that he's done for us. It also means that this same power that raised Christ from the dead raises us from the dead spiritually. You realize that? The same power that raised Christ from the dead raises us up spiritually. Amen. Look at some verses about Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. And what is the surpassing greatness of my power? No, no, his power toward us who believe it's through faith these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, not my doing it, strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, again, when we were in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, in Ephesians 2, 5, and 6, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he, of course, he's the one made us alive together with Christ, with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him. See, we're with Him, and raised us now, raised us with Him, and seated us with Him. You thought I was just making that up. Amen. <laughs> no, we're with Him, seated already. We're there. Now what you've got to do is believe it. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Because Satan's going to come along and say, oh, you're just a wicked old rotten sin and you don't deserve this and you, you, you'll never make it because you just don't measure up I don't Amen. I'm even worse than I think I am because I think much better about myself than I should I esteem myself a lot more than I do other people you see what I'm saying but that's not my identity my identity now is in Christ whoa praise God hallelujah and we've been united in, in the likeness, in the likeness of his death. Now, we can never die as he died. That's why it says in the likeness of his death because he was God-man and we can't die as, uh, 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 as a God-man or raise. We can't raise us up by our own power, you see. So it's in the likeness of his death and his, his resurrection. But he says, shall be. This does not mean the future here in verse 5 when it says, for if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly, is what he's saying, certainly we shall also be. And he's not talking about future. He's talking about we will be. You understand? It's we will be. We are. We are right now is what he's talking about. Uh, we'll be in the likeness of his resurrection. It's a guarantee, no doubt, is what this means. It's a certainty of, of uh, uh, this uh, union with him. And what Paul is saying, if one thing is true, then the other is true as well. No doubt, if you have died with Christ, you were buried with Christ, you shall be united in the likeness of his resurrection. And of course, I think he's speaking primarily here of our spiritual rev uh, uh, resurrection, but there will become a time when we will be bodily raised as well. But he's talking about the here and now as we are standing there, as we're 
all here this morning. It's the here and now, and uh, but in uh, and in newness of life, in newness of life, uh, and that's that's a wonderful thing. We have died to the rule and reign of sin right now, and we walk now from the basis of a new heart. In Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, things new things have come. And so we are walking this out in newness of life. And we walk it from a basis of a new heart. Uh, and uh, boy, this is, this is great stuff. And we're going to see the, uh, the struggle that that is. In verse 6, the last verse that I want to look at, knowing this, that the old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would be no longer slaves to sin. Now some say this is teaching about uh, uh, the old nature. I think where he says the old self was crucified with him is speaking of uh, what we were in Adam. He's still talking then about our position in Adam. That was crucified. That's, that's gone, he says. In that, in, and then he says, in order that our body of sin might be done away with. And this is this is the sanctification part uh, as we walk the Christian life. And slowly and surely it's going to be done away with and until finally taken away forever. Uh, the old man, the, the, the old self is gone though. That self where we were bound, we were enslaved to sin, where we were ungodly, where we were without strength, where we were enemies of God is gone. You understand? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And hallelujah. And uh, Paul is, is, uh, is doing a, a, a marvelous job. But he says that our body of sin might be done away with. And the body of sin is a difficult phrase here. There are different interpretations. But some think that he's saying uh, here in verse 6, knowing this, that our old nature was crucified with him. The thing is, if you crucify something, it's dead. Well, we all know that our old nature is not dead. So I don't think he's talking about our old nature in this first part. He's talking about what we were in Adam is gone. And, uh, but now, now we're in this body of sin. And you notice, and I won't take time because I'm coming over already, but in verse 12, 13, and verse 19, chapter 7, in verse 17, 18, and 20, he talks about the body, the body. And what is he talking about? He's talking about this body right here. This body where sin continues to dwell, where sin continues to operate, that's where we struggle. Even though we're new creatures in Christ, we're in Christ, saved, secure, everything is, is uh, uh, our position is settled, but we still uh, struggle with this human body because still sin operates there. And uh, uh, so we have all of these urges, we have all of these drives, and uh, uh, we, we struggle with them, don't we not? Do you, do you struggle with them? And uh, these drives are not necessarily evil, though. Uh, they've been perverted. For instance, the, the sex drive is, is a beautiful thing. God created it, and yet it's become uh, uh, almost a, a, a nasty word when you hear it, you know. And that's not the way God wants that because it's a beautiful thing within the confines of marriage and the way God intended it, but it's been perverted now 
to such an extent that it's almost become an evil world. And so uh, uh, hunger, you know, we, we feel hunger and we eat. Well, there's nothing wrong with, with feeling hunger. Jesus felt all of these things. He was, he, and he was tempted in those things. But to be a glutton is wrong, you understand. So Paul is going to get into all of this, and we will too. But uh, he is talking about our position. So, so we should no longer be uh, servants of, of sin. Uh, God has given us the power now uh, to overcome. In Adam, we could do nothing but sin. There was no power. But now in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And he is working in us both to willing to do of his good pleasure. And that's a, uh, that's a wonderful truth. Philippians 1, 6. I didn't put this one up here, but I thought about it. He that began a good work in you, Paul says, will complete it. He who begins a good work in you will bring it to completion. He starts it, he continues it, and then he will finish it. And uh, we're secure in him. And that's, that's really what I want to, to drive home this morning. Uh, Romans 8.30, uh, uh, we pass that up. Let me see if I can... Uh, Back to 8.30, rather than everybody looking it up. This may take a century, but uh, I did see Romans 8.30, did I not? And I passed it up. Yeah, thank you. Now, you understand, Paul is talking here in Romans as we go further. He who begins a good work in you will bring it to completion. And this is everyone where he starts this work. And, and in Romans 8.30, he says it again in a different way. And those, and that's everyone whom he predestined, he calls, he justifies, and he glorifies. There is nobody here that l- loses that. See, why? You, in Adam, you were nothing but lost. In Christ, you're nothing but secure. And safe. Why? Because you're in Christ. Amen. And that's my, that's my message. That, and, and, and there's no doubt about it. The thing is, you've got to preach that to yourself. I want you to start preaching that to yourself. I am now perfect in Christ. I am now complete in Christ. And believe it because why? It's true about you. And you know what? If you believe it, it will change your life. Why? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For what? The gospel is the power of God for salvation unto all those who believe. It's amazing, isn't it? How did your Christian life begin when you believed? Did God change your life in a lot of ways? How does that continue? The same way, believing the gospel. You don't take over. No, God continues to work in you both to willing to do of His good pleasure. It's all about God. And all we all have to do is yield to it. Yield to it. We'll talk about that next week. How to have victory in your Christian life. How to have victory. And that one of those points is yielding. Yielding. That's the, that's the, uh, the hard thing, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, again, uh, I thank you again for your word. And, and Lord, I know uh, how I fall so short uh, many times. 
uh, of obedience and, and loving you and, and praising you and glorifying you. But Lord, help me to also and believe that I am complete in Christ, that I am saved by grace and grace alone. Keep me, Lord, from performing and for trying to please you out of, out of what I do and what I accomplish and feeling good about myself because of what I do and feeling bad about myself because of what I don't do. Lord, help me to live out of the gospel that it is really true concerning me. And Lord, may that power, that truth change me as I trust Christ in his name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>